I felt just as we've been singing this, you know, going low. And I, I just thought of that, that saying, how low can you go? <laughs> and uh, that's really a, a rhetorical question, but, you know, in worship it is that. It's how low can we go for the Lord? Because the lower we go, the higher Christ is exalted, and it's about His name. It's about His glory. It's about Him being lifted up. And uh, I've been sharing probably the last well, three weeks ago. I started sharing on the Lord as our shepherd and how He's the good shepherd and He leads us into green pastures and, he, and He's got good things for us. He's a good shepherd who loves us and how we call to follow Him and to submit to the good shepherd. And uh, two weeks ago, I shared about just how God has called us, elders, Bob, myself, uh, John, Chad, to be elders who are what the Bible talks about as being under shepherds and how we call to submit to that. And, and actually, you don't belong to us. We just have the responsibility of, of watching over you because the Bible says that, that um, you know, that's our responsibility to, to keep a watch over your souls and to help you move more into what God has for you. And so it's, it's quite an intimidating responsibility because God has put that charge over us um, but you belong to Him. And so what is that submission of submitting to, to the eldership and their leading as they follow Christ? But uh, this morning I felt to, to share on something completely different, and that is, well, not different, it's actually another part of it, which is submitting one to another. And uh, this submission is a little bit different. This is not a submission based on authority that is over you. This submission is something that uh, we all call to, but it's not like, like the church submit to the elders or like wives submit to your husbands or like children submit to your parents or like us submit to government. It's not that kind of submission because it's not based on authority. It's based, it's not like, it's not God's governance over us, but it's rather the spirit within us that makes us aware of the other person's conscience and submitting our lives to that person and uh, how we do that. And uh, this kind of surrender, this kind of submission is actually a voluntary surrender. It's a voluntary submission that we put ourselves under the yoke of a brother and a sister in order that they can fulfill what God has for them and to, for them to live in the fullness of what God has for them that Christ may be glorified in them. And so, yeah, it's, it's like 1 Peter 5, verses 5. It says, yes, I've got that scripture for you, Stefani. Likewise, you younger people, submit to yourselves to your elders. Okay, we, that's the one I shared previously. But now it says, yes, all of you, be submissive one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And you know, to me, it's one thing to say you know, we can go low or we can bow the knee. But it's another thing when God puts in place something of submission and actually what does it mean to bow? What does it mean to go low? And He puts people in, in, our, in our lives to actually show us. He puts people in our lives to actually submit to. Because when we submit one to another, we're actually submitting to the Lord. And we're bowing the knee to Him. And... Uh, and so I want to look at that this morning because the world doesn't understand this kind of submission. 
Think of it. The world doesn't understand this kind of submission. The world will say, you number one. You know, you got to go and, and get what you deserve. You're worth it. You know, you, you, you are special. You, are, you need to love yourself. You need to grab a hold. You need to climb that corporate ladder, you know. It's reach for the stars. I mean, you often hear those, those kind of things. It's about you. And uh, the kingdom of God is totally contrary to that. Because it's not about trying to do this. It's like going low, low. <laughs> it's completely the opposite. And, uh, and, and this is what God has called us to. And because, you know, think of it. The world's philosophy is based on humanism. It's based on, you think of Darwinism, survival of the fittest. If you're not at the top of the food chain, you, you, you're going to die. You're going to be, you know, you're not going to make it. <laughs> and so that is the philosophy that's worked out. You know, you think, this kind of philosophy is just, oh, it's just there, you know. No, it's got implications, and it affects us as a people, as a society. And so we call to be contrary to that kind of philosophy. We call to be contrary to the world's understanding. And so it's not about that. You know, the kingdom of God is so different. The way up is actually the way down. You know, to find your life, as Matthew uh, sixteen twenty five says, to find your life, you actually lose it. So you've got to lose your life to find it. You know, I had to lose my life of Benny, of who I am, in order to find who Christ is in me. And so I, I realized my life just heads for destruction. My, my way is going nowhere, you know. And, uh, but I, when, I found, when Jesus found me, actually, he brought me to a place of purpose and destiny. He brought me to a place, first of all, of salvation. And he showed me what it is. He showed me that this is what life is. And, uh, and so my whole life has been turned around, and everything I perceive now, everything I see now is through the life of Christ that lives in me. And uh, I yield to that. I submit to that. And but the, the world doesn't understand that. Think of it. The world's understanding of submission, really, has got a, what's the word? It's, it's actually got, a, it's got its own benefits when the world submits. Think of it. When you submit to a boss, it's for your benefit. It's, so you can obviously have a job, or, or have an increase, or have a promotion, you know, or a bonus, or, yeah, or a promotion, that submission has a reason behind it. It's for your own gain, really, isn't it? Or even submitting, if, you, if you're not a person that works for a boss, but having your own business. You submit to clients. Why? Because it's for your own financial gain. You know, you want to give them the best service that they return, they come back and offer more business for your business. And so there's a submission in that. And uh, there's also a submission that we, you know, we can have in government, because if you don't submit to government, you can get fined or even imprisoned, right? So there's benefit in sub that kind of submission. But this kind of submission that I'm talking to you is something completely contrary to the world, because it has no benefit to you, for you personally, for you in the flesh. But I want us to think about something just just what that actually means when it talks about submitting one to another. It's because it's so different, because it's so foreign to the world. You see, this submission is not based on what leverage of authority someone else has over you. This submission is not based on the leverage of authority that someone has over you. This le leverage is exercised out of our own consciousness and awareness for the person we're submitting to. And it's based on how Christ is glorified 
It's based on how Christ is manifest to that person. It's something different. And uh, Ephesians 5.21, it says, Submit one to another out of reverence for Christ. Submit one to another. That Christ actually be, becomes manifest in that person. That's why we do it. Out of reverence for Christ. And, uh, yeah, this kind of reverence, this kind of submission has no personal gain. And I was, I was just thinking of this because it's almost like, you know, I, I see people come into the church, and, and we, all, we all come broken, don't we? We all come with our own issues. We come with our own problems. But we come with that and, and with the knowledge that God knows that. And when people come, I, I'll be honest with you, when people come through the door, you can, you can judge. You can, over time, I've been in ministry for 20 years now, you can begin to see things quickly in people because you've got to engage with people constantly. You're always relating. You can quickly gauge when there's issues and the depth of issues and things that people have to process. And you know, when, when people walk through the door and they, they give their lives, it's like, wow, God, show me because I, I, I see a chain that comes with that person that I, I, I've actually got to submit to within that person to bring them through. It's quite heavy sometimes. And uh, and, I, and there's times I think, oh, God, how, how are we going to do this, you know? And then God has to remind me of how he set me free. And I realize, okay, sin, sin, or there's issues. And, and if God can liberate me, he can liberate you. And, and, and there's, okay, God, I've got faith for that person because I believe you brought him here. I believe you brought him into the life of this body. And, and I can do it because you've done it to me. And it's like a faith. As I look at my own life, it's like a faith. Okay, God, you can do it. But actually... To be honest with you, all of us are called to do that. It's not just elders, all of us. And in a sense, we, we're all like prisoners with our own key. <laughs> that's, that's what it is. We, 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 we voluntarily submit to this. We do it out of our own. It's not, it's not us forcing you to do it. It's you doing it because the Holy Spirit within you is urging you on. He's spurring you. He's, he's, he's making you aware that it's not about you. It's about us. You guys with me? And so we, in a sense, are prisoners to our own key and uh, to our own jail, our own cell. And uh, you can unlock it yourself, but you choose not to for the sake of your brother. And I'm just reminded of Galatians 5.13. And Paul says this to the church. For you, we were called to freedom, brothers. Now notice that. He says, so when you come to salvation, you're called to freedom. Okay? But then he says this, only don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. What Paul's saying, you got, you know, it's like, da-da, you're free. <laughs> I'm free. Now, now Paul says, but, but don't use your freedom. Okay, why, Paul? Well, because I want you to use it to submit to one another. It's like, you, you are free, yes, but it's a choice you've got to make. You're free, but, but you submit yourself. It's quite a strange scripture when you look at that. It's, but I, I was just looking at this. It's like, it's like Paul gives a blank check. He says, he has a blank check, and there's an unlimited amount of money that comes with this check. And I'm going to give it to Justin. Justin, I want you to know, this is all for you, but, but don't use it for yourself. I want you to spend it on those who, who need it. <laughs> you, you're going to see there's going to be people that are going to come in your path, and you're going to have to write out this check every now and then for people that you see have to tap into the resources of heaven that's going to come through you, Justin. 
and it's unlimited. And you know what that is? Think of, think of the fruit of the Spirit, where the Bible says love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. This is what we all call to have. And then at the end of that, that verse, we often forget this part of the Scripture. It says, for such, for against such, there is no law. In other words, there's no limit. You've got patience. You've got kindness. You've got all those things, all the fruit of the Spirit that I've given you. But there isn't a limit. Why? Because it's within my Spirit working within you. And you can love, and you can love, and you can love. And you can suffer long, and you can be patient, and you can be kind, and it can be constantly just flowing out of you because it's my Spirit that's unlimited within you. And I want to flow through you. Isn't that amazing? Because I know I often come to the end of me. <laughs> I don't know about you, my wife can vouch for that. There's many times where she says, where's your patience? You know, be patient, especially when it's relating to family issues, you know. <laughs> And it's like, yeah, okay, I'm not tapping, tapping into the Holy Spirit right now because I've come to the end of Benny. But in God, there is no end. There is no law. The Spirit is ongoing. That's why he says, I'll give you my Spirit, what? Without measure. Isn't that amazing? Without measure. Church, the only way we can submit like this, it has to be in the Spirit. Do you agree with me? I mean, think of, think of your limits. Huh? Think of your limits. So, so we submit ourselves. We, even though I'm free, it's like, da-da, I'm free, but, but now I'm aware of you. <laughs> I can see Dan's limits. I can see, okay, I, there's a chain I've got to have on Dan, on myself with Dan, and so I'm going to submit to that. That's fine, because Dan's my brother, and I love him. And there's going to be a chain I'm going to have with Orchid, and he's going to have one with me, and that's fine. We're going to submit one to another. And, and it's a constant thing that God's called us to. It's like, you know, there's certain things I will not do in the life of the church for your sake. No, no, it's not sin issues. It's just issues that might cause a brother to stumble. For instance, I won't pop open a, let's say we're having a social as a com. I won't pop out a draft and start drinking and, you know, being social. Why? Because there might be a brother here who's battling with alcohol. Now, it's not, I won't say it's sin if you don't, but if, if it causes my brother to stumble, then, then maybe it is sin. You, you hear what I'm saying? So, so it's this thing of, oh, okay, I'm really list for a lack of laugh, a draft, but you know what? Eh? It might cause Orchid to stumble, so I'm not going to do it. Do you, you get it? And this is what Paul's saying is we, we, we submit one to another for that very reason. And, um, and I know it's just a, a very light illustration, but we inflict our own chains on ourselves, really. For the weaker brother's sake. And think of it like this. We're all in a sense connected with chains like submission chains. But we're only as strong as the weakest link. Think of it. We're only as strong as the weakest link. Because a weaker brother is going to step through that door tomorrow. And we're going to link ourselves with, if they decide to link with us and we decide to link with them. And let's say he is the weakest link. We're only as strong as him. But, but don't you feel that, well, that's, that's kind of limiting, isn't it? Isn't the body of Christ called to be amazing, powerful, you know, effective in the Lord? Yes, it is. But I want to show you something this morning, because I think we, we can look at that and we think, oh, that's the weaker brother, so, oh, you know, back to ground zero, you know. You know, because you're always going to have people walking through our door with issues. 
you know, and it takes years and years to get rid of some of those issues and to work through them and to process them before they become whole and healed and, you know, strong in the Lord. But um, I want to I show you something here because Paul writes a letter. Well, be, yeah, let me read that quickly. And this, as I was reading this letter, it begins to open up how Paul viewed this kind of thing of submitting. He writes to the Ephesian, uh, to the church. Before I go, let me read the scripture. It says, I therefore, this is Paul talking, a prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, did I, have I got it? Okay. Beseech you to walk worthy of the calling to which you were called. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love. Now, you can keep that scripture on. I was, I was kind of pondering on this. Paul's not writing the scripture. You know, he doesn't say, I, Paul, the apostle, right here. He says, I, Paul, a prisoner, actually. Now, Paul was an apostle. He's an amazing guy. He's planted many churches. He's wrote most of the New Testament. You can say, I, Paul, the apostle. But here he's writing to them, and he's saying, I, Paul, a prisoner. And I, I want to take a bit of liberty here, but I, I'm, I'm sure because he's writing to the church, but he's saying, I'm a prisoner. Now, Paul's probably in his cell, and he's writing this thing, this letter, and he's chained, probably got his shackles, some of his shackles to his, to his arm or to his feet, shackled to the wall, and he's probably in this prison cell, and there's probably a bit of light, so he can probably just see a bit of light to write this letter. I don't know, might be like me this morning in prepping, you know, load shedding, and you're trying to find that little bit of light so you can do what you need to do. And Paul's writing this letter, and he's pondering on this. And I'm sure he's looking at the shackles that he's in. I'm sure he's looking at the light that he's limited. And I'm sure he's sitting in a cell that probably smells like human feces and urine. I, I, I want to be honest about you. Sometimes we've got this Bible story book mentality where Paul's, I mean, I, I used to have what's that, um, Maxwell's Bible stories. I don't know if any, any of you had those. And they're like these beautiful pictures and Paul's sitting in prison and he's looking out the bars and this beautiful picture and there's like a bird sitting outside and he's got this nice table and he's... Yeah, you know, that's the picture I had of Paul in prison. And, but, but that's not the picture that was real. You know, and Paul's sitting there and he's writing this letter. And he's looking at this and he's... And he says, you know, I'm a prisoner. He doesn't say I'm a prisoner of Rome or a prisoner of Caesar or stuck in this. I'm a prisoner of the Lord. See, Paul realized he's changed. He was voluntary in that position that he was in. These were self-inflicted chains. And Paul looks at this and he says, oh, it's a terrible place. I mean, I'm chained, but I'm, I'm chained to the Lord. And he's writing to the church in Ephesus and he says, I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling to which you were called. And he says, but, but in a sense, he's, he's saying this, but this is what your chains look like. Your lowliness and gentleness with long suffering and bearing with one another. Those are your chains. And as much as I'm chained to the Lord, so you are chained to Him. And you're chained with one another. That's what he's saying. How low can you go? Is that what it means to be submitted one to another? You see, when I'm yoked to Christ, I'm also yoked to you. That's, that's the amazing thing. And this, you know, when Paul talks about having this bond, this bond of peace, this is what it looks like. And sometimes it's not, it's not always a pleasant thing, but like I said, the Holy Spirit's given it to us in order that we can live in it. And uh, 
And it's a self-inflicted chain, really. Think of it. Acts 2.42, the, the scripture we love to quote, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, to prayer, all of those things, but they devoted themselves. It's, not, it's, it's a submission that's self-inflicted. I choose to devote myself. And that's what we call to. It's, it's not a governance of, of laws. That's why I look at Acts 2.42. We've got to be careful that we don't look at it under the light of the law because it's not. It's a self-devotion. And think of it, even Jesus did that. In John 10, 18, he says, you didn't take my life, I lay it down. You know, when he came to that place of being executed, he came to that place and says, you didn't, you didn't take my life, I lay it down. And that's what he's called us to do. We don't, ta- we don't no one takes our lives, no one demands it, we, we give it of ourselves. The moment we come born again, you say, God, it's no longer I who live, but you live in me. And this is what it looks like. This is the body you've slotted me into. This is the family you've called me to. This is the army you've called me to align myself to. You know, this is the household of faith that I'm part of. And this is what it looks like. It's you. And so this is what I'm called to submit to. Uh, Yeah. Now, let's be honest. It's hard to submit to a weaker brother to submit to those who have a lot of insecurities, a lot of rejections, a lot of issues. It's hard. It's hard to do that. But you think of it, you know, hurt people hurt people. Bullies, the people that are bullied are bullies. <laughs> and we've we, we got to chain ourselves to these kind of relationships and work these things through with people that come to us and relate to us. But you know what I've realized? There's, there's always a need, when, when things become too much, there's always a need to disengage from that thing because it, there's, a, there's, a, there's a pull that, that makes you feel I'm under this, this um, it's almost like a heaviness that you can feel that you're under. It's like a, you know, you, you want to be autonomous from that when you're faced with that. And I'm, I'm often reminded, you know, there's, there's a need, there's an instinctive drive within us to detach ourselves from weaknesses, from inadequacies. There's a need to do it. Let me give you an example. Here's a good example. So, and I was sharing this with the guys at the prayer meeting because we were in the dark on Friday. But the need, the need to detach ourselves from inadequacies and insufficiencies. Think of ESCOM. What is happening every time there's these load sheddings? More and more people are becoming detached from the grid. Those who can afford it. Think of it. You, you don't want to be under a system that's inadequate because it's affecting your lifestyle. You know, every time the puzzle, oh, I can't make supper, I can't do this, I can't do that. So what is the natural instinct for us to do? It's to unplug. I'm going to become autonomous from ESCOM. I'm going to be self-sufficient. Huh? That's, that's what we do. I mean, am I right? <laughs> more and more if you can afford it. And uh, this is becoming probably, it's probably going to become more and more so if we go to stage 8, 9, 10, I don't know. <laughs> pray not. <laughs> pray for our country. Pray for this. But, but this is how you feel, isn't it? You want to be t- detached from that. And unfortunately, what I want to say is that we have the same mentality when it comes to church. Because there's an inadequacy, we feel there's, an, there's, there's something not sufficient here. The first instinctive nature in me wants to unplug. 
because this person here is making me weaker. Do you get it? It's, now I've got to submit to this. And, it, and, and this kind of lifestyle that we're talking about is a lifestyle. It's like Eskom. It's in your life. Without power, it, it affects your lifestyle. The same with the body. Without this connect and with insufficiencies and insecurities and all these things, it affects our lifestyle. Okay? So when your brother gets stuck in the mud, uh, excuse me, Sean, <laughs> and, and you've got to go and help him because his car is not sufficient. And then I know my car is even more sufficient, but I said to him, hey, bro, I'll come help you. And I get stuck. And then we had to call Orchid, and he gets me out of it. But I realize, you know, this is what it's about. It's not about us. It's about, hey, we're we together. We're we a collective group. And yes, I'm attached to that person whether he's stuck in the mud sometimes. And I'll be stuck with him. But as long as we together, we will get out of that because Christ will get us out of it. It's, but it's been knitted together in a group with a body that God has collectively called us to be. And uh, Jesus said, I'm building my church. I'm building my church. And yes, I'm going to use insufficient people. I'm going to use insecure people. I'm going to use broken people. But I am building my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail. We've got to believe that, church. And when people walk through that door, no matter how broken they are, you've got to remind yourself of that scripture. Because Jesus promised that. And I believe Him for it. I trust Him for that. And so we call to have the same attitude that Jesus had. You know, we, the first thing we want to unplug is from the grid. You know, how often do you, I've heard people say that. I don't need the church. You know, I've got my solar panels. It's me and the sun. <laughs> or I've got, I've got my wind turbines. I can trust in the Holy Spirit to blow into me and I'll just generate the power but I don't need the church. But this is how God has called us. He's wired us to be connected. He hasn't called you to be independent from the church. Yes, He's given you Son. Yes, He's given you the Holy Spirit. But He's also given you a body. You know, Jesus didn't save you alone. It wasn't just that He saved you. He saved you into something. He called you into a family. He called you into a household of faith. And so you're not an individual alone. You're not an isolation. You, you're part of something bigger. And so we need the church. We all need the church. No matter how whole you feel you are, you're not gonna, Jesus is coming back to a bride. He's not coming back to individuals. He's coming back to a bride without spot or blemish. And that's all of us together, collectively shining Jesus. You know? <clears throat> and so this is what I want you to realize. I, I want to just make a note because what I want to say is, because I know, I know how you think. I think the same way, and God's had to liberate me of this. When I, when I see people coming through the doors and they're weak, and I think, but how, why do I have to start again? Why do I have to submit? I want you to look at this. You see, the church's weakness is not based on the fact that it consists of imperfect people. I want you to think about this. The church's weakness, I had to write this down because it was like God showed me something. The church's weakness is not based, that it's, it's not that it's based on the fact that it consists of imperfect people. It's that it's based on our not submitting itself to imperfect people. Our weakness is not dependent on how insecure or weak you are. It's based on how am I going to knit myself to the people that are weak and insecure and broken. And this is how God is glorified. 
You see, there's a trusting in God working through me. There's a trusting in God also doing a work in that person that's coming through that door. Because the Holy Spirit is the one who liberates. The Holy Spirit is the one who sets people free. The Holy Spirit is the one who brings people to repentance and and a revelation of Himself. The Holy Spirit is the one who witnesses with our spirit that we are sons of God and brings an adoption that, that cries out within us that that person begins to cry out, Abba, Father. That person becomes and gets a revelation of God as the Father. That person has the revelation of Christ and sets his feet on the solid foundation. See, it's not you. It's the Holy Spirit working in you and working in them. And so we've got to realize that. But God doesn't do it in isolation. The Holy Spirit doesn't work in a vacuum. He works with us together, collectively. I'm nearly there. I know the kids are restless. But I want you to understand this because it's really just a good example of submission. Is 1 Corinthians 9 from verse 19 to 23. It says, For though I am free from all men, as Paul saying, I've made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. And to the Jews I became a Jew, and that I might win the Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without the law, as without the law. Not being without the law towards God, but under the law towards Christ. That I might win those who are without the law. Now, so do you understand what Paul is saying? As I was reading this, it was kind of a revelation to me. See, Paul understood the purpose of his ministry. He understood the purpose of his calling. And it wasn't that he looked strong. It wasn't that he looked perfect. And Paul was saying, look, my weakness, my perceived weakness, I, I, will, I will be weak for my brother to become strong in order to win him. But you see, Paul, Paul's weakness, him becoming weak, wasn't what he was focused on. What was he focused on? What was his ministry? It was to go and spread the gospel. It was to, pre- it was to minister the gospel. That was his focus. That was his purpose. And what he's saying is, look, I'll become weak to those who are weak in order that the purpose of what God has called me here to, and that's to bring the gospel to that person. Do you, do you see it? So Paul's actually not weak. You know, he's actually strong. Paul's talking about perceived weaknesses, but being weak for, 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 the, for the weak doesn't make you weak. It actually it makes you strong because your objective is bringing people to salvation. Paul's objective was for the gospel. It was to bring the gospel to the lost, and that should be our, our, what we call to do. Our purpose is to see Christ glorified in people, even if it means you have to be weak for that person. You guys will get it. Did you know? Funny thing is, we've been talking about us being sheep. And, and although I'm an elder, I also see myself as a sheep. Yes, I'm an under-shepherd, but I'm also a sheep. I also have to follow Christ, the chief shepherd. I also have to submit to you. And you know, as I've been reading this thing about sheep, you know, there's a word that my wife thought I was clever because I used it. It's the word gregarious. Have you ever heard of the word gregarious? Man, very good. She says, very good. But sheep... But sheep are gregarious by nature. What I mean is that they're social animals. They, they love company. They flock together. <laughs> they, they live like that. They are, they're a community. They're a loose community, sheep. And I'm sure God's used that as an illustration for us as sheep because that is what he's called us to be. 
the sheep. We're always together. We do things together. We do life together. We don't, we're not in isolation. Now the world thinks it's becoming more connected. And social, you think of social media and, you know, all these things, uh, social networking, and we feel more connected. But actually we're becoming less and less connected, really, in real life. We come, we're becoming more like hermits, you know, more of these loners, recluse type of people. And we're moving away from being gregarious, really, in our relationship. And uh, it's a selfish nature of man, but our, our world's actually becoming smaller. It's not becoming bigger. Think of it. Think of your own families. I don't know. I was looking back in my family. You know, I remember when, 30 years ago when we used to get together with our families. It was my aunts, my uncles, my second cousins, and, and we used to have family reunions. I used to know, and there were so many people, people I didn't even know really, but they, they often used to come together. How often do you actually do that nowadays as families get together like that? For those who used to. It's not. It's becoming less and less. And I'm thinking because communities, our worlds are actually becoming smaller. It's just, I, I don't know why. I don't understand it. But I think it's a ploy of the enemy is, is really that we become me, myself, and I. Because that's when the enemy, that's when we're vulnerable, really. And, uh, but Hebrews 10, 24 to 25 says, Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. You know, the day is approaching. We, we're closer than we were when Jesus came. The day is approaching where God is going to return. Are we ready? And are we this kind of people that are not forsaking the gathering because of it? I mean, God's warning us. Is when the day is approaching, even more so, we need to be together. We need to be collective. We need to be doing life together. And so let's consider one another, because that's what we call to. And I felt this morning, and this is what I want to close with, is, is let's break away from the worldly mentality of unplugging. You think of ESCOM, let's, let's break that thing that we're naturally doing here, but spiritually God is calling us to, to plug ourselves back into the grid of His network, of what He's called us to. Because this, this, this purpose that we have in Christ it's actually knitted together. My purpose is not just something isolated, me and Christ, and I'm going to get there. Actually, it involves you. Do you know you fulfilling what God has called me to do? And I'm connected to you, and I'm here to fulfill what God's called you to do. But together, we begin, we become that church that God has called us. And so if, let me close with this scripture. And I love this because it really gives us a demonstration of, of this gregarious nature that God has called us to. For this reason, I bow my knee to the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole body, the whole family, in heaven and on earth is named, that we would be grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might through His Holy Spirit in the inner man. Now listen to this. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with who? With all the saints. What is the width, the length, the depth, the height? Uh, stop there. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you ask or think, according to the power that works where? In us again. 
To Him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. You see, this knowledge of Christ is only going to come that we can have collectively together, that we together might be comprehend with all the saints. Isn't that amazing? It's together, this manifold wisdom of God. It's just like this whole, a manifold is not just one thing. It's like a whole lot of things together, being put together. And, and this is the manifold of wisdom of God is made known as we two collectively come together. And it's like this person has a revelation. This person has a revelation. This person has a revelation. Together we come and it's like, wow, God, we can begin to behold who you are collectively. And it's like, let us bow our knee to that. Let us bring our lives to subjection of that. Let's submit one to another that Christ might be glorified in us. And that's what God has called us to church. Let's, let's get away from this thinking that I need to unplug because there's insufficiencies. Let's trust in the Lord. Let's come back to Him, what He's doing through the Holy Spirit in us. Amen. Can I close in prayer? And we can just, yeah. Father, we just thank You for that You've called us. First of all, that You've saved us that you've redeemed us. But Lord, you haven't stopped there. You you didn't say that you came that we have life. You said you came that we may have life, but have it in abundance. And Father, to have this abundant life, you've, you've brought us to a place of wide open spaces. Yes, the gate is narrow. But as we enter through that gate, you've, you've called us and knitted us to a family, to a, to a group of believers to which we are called. And Father, that together, collectively, you're coming back to this bride without spot or blemish. And Father, I want to be part of that bride. I want to be part of what you're doing, Jesus. And so, Father, I pray that as we, as we do life together, as we just love on you and love, love each other, Father, that you would be glorified, that Christ would be made manifest in us and through us. Because, Lord, you are coming back for us one day. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord, as Scripture says. But we want to be that people that are are really living in that now. Lord, we want to be made low. And I want to pray as that that letter said, Lord, let us do this thing of submission. Lord, let us have the, the, the Spirit of Christ within us. Let us have the mind of Christ who became a servant to man. And you've called us to have that mind. But Father, I pray that as we submit one to another, that no matter what weaknesses, no matter what insufficiencies that our brothers and sisters might have, I pray that we would have faith for them too. That we'd have the gift of grace, we'd have the gift of, of faith, a, a love that believes all things, hopes all things, Lord, would be within us to stir us, to, to be willing to submit to that and to be chained to that, that Christ might be glorified. And so I thank you for each person here today. Lord, I pray, I thank you for their purpose, I thank you for their call. But I thank you, Lord, that um, you've knitted us together. In Jesus' name, amen.